2: We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be.
0: Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. One of my favorite conversations I've ever had on There Are No Girls on the Internet is with a writer who was targeted and harassed online about how she continues to stay safe while doing visible work on the Internet. Without missing a beat, she said, anybody worried about online harassment should sign up for Delete Me. I signed up for Delete Me right then and there, and I personally recommend it to anyone. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for our listeners today, get twenty percent off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindelete.me.com/no-girls and use promo code No Girls at checkout. The only way to get twenty percent off is to go to joindelete.me.com/no-girls and enter code No Girls at checkout. That's joindelete.me.com/no-girls code No Girls. There are no girls on the internet. as a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. So it's probably no surprise to find out that the internet, particularly social media, is linked to all of us not feeling so great. And I have a theory about this that I want to bring to you all. And to do that, I am joined by my producer, Michael Amato. Michael, thank you so much for being here today.
3: Thanks for having me, Bridget. I'm excited to talk about being miserable.
0: (laughs) It's like your favorite topic.
3: You know not really but yeah kind of
0: i mean i i it's funny that we're talking about this like i think of myself as a fairly like a person with a fairly sunny disposition i'm pretty smiley i'm kind of a look on the bright side type but i definitely feel lately like something is up i don't know i think that we're more miserable more tense more stressed and we're bringing in that more and more to our online spaces and so i'm looking forward to really talking through what i think is going on and what it means for all of us
3: yeah i'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it because i totally agree it, it it's hard out there there's just so much heavy stuff going on and a lot of it feels totally intractable and uh yeah so i'm glad you got that. i'm glad you got it figured out what's what's the story bridget
0: So first, I should say that this is not totally new ground. I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but a study out of Harvard Business School found that negativity travels much further and faster on social media, particularly Twitter, uh, much faster than positive stories, because, you know, we all just love to hate. But my question is not just about social media. I am more wondering, is it us? Are we, both as individuals and as a collective citizenry of the United States, are we in such a state of fear and anxiety and overwhelm and exhaustion right now that when we show up to online spaces, that we're just bringing more anger and negativity with us on top of all the ways that we know social media platforms and algorithms are made to amplify things that we hate and negativity? Of course. But I'm asking something else. I'm asking is it us? And I want to be clear, I usually show up to these kinds of conversations with lots of research and studies to back up what I'm saying. I want to be clear, this is pretty much 100% anecdotal. You know, I have a few recent examples that I think demonstrate a little bit of what I'm talking about and what I'm seeing online. And if you are very online, like I am, for better or for worse, uh, you might have actually seen some of these examples play out in real time. And I think the way that people reacted to them and the discourse that popped up around them on social media tells us something about where we're at right now as people. I know, Michael, you are not someone who really identifies as being very online. Am I right?
3: Yeah, that's right. I historically have not been very online. I, in the early parts of like the internet in the 90s and the early aughts, I was a lot more. And then uh, I just really took a pretty big step back from social media, uh, much to the betterment of my mental health, I think. But over the past year or two, I have really increased my use of Twitter a lot. And yeah, the, you know, the question of like, is it us? It, you know, how much of it is is the platforms? But then how much of it is is us being affected by the platforms and then bringing that back and just continuing uh continuing that feedback loop
0: you might actually be the most offline person who is kind of in my peer group like if i don't include my parents and people who are are not in my peer group not contemporaries of mine sometimes we'll have our uh podcast planning meetings and i'll be like oh my god did you see this thing on the internet like this cat is being accused of being ableist on Twitter. And you'll be like, I don't know what any of these words mean. I don't know what you're saying. Like what's happening here. And so I, I, you do have a, it seems to come with a level of bliss that I envy.
3: Yeah. I mean, I stress about other things.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You're always stressing about something. I want to be clear. You're not like Mr. Zen, just not. Yeah. You're just not stressing about something that strangers are doing on the internet necessarily.
3: Yeah, like whether or not the cat is ableist, you know, like it it shouldn't be right. We should all be inclusive and work for universal design. But like, you know, you know how cats are.
0: (laughs) Okay, so I want to get into these. I've got I've I've got them laid out as sort of three vignettes, if you will. Uh, The first I'm calling woman enjoys coffee in garden, comma, with husband. So this was the tweet. That I, that the first tweet that really stopped me and I had to contend with what I think I, I think I would describe as an outsized reaction to what I thought was a fairly normal tweet. A woman tweeted something pretty innocuous. She said, quote, my husband and I wake up every morning and bring our coffee out to our garden and sit and talk for hours every morning. It never gets old. We never run out of things to talk about. Love him so much. And, you know, I think. Most people might see a tweet like this and they might think, how nice for her. What a nice morning. Others might see a tweet like this and think nothing. Uh, I think it's, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that somebody might see this tweet and think, you know, oh, she's bragging. I don't like it. Feels braggy. But then keep scrolling, keep moving on. No big deal. But the thing is, a lot of people had a very visceral reaction to this tweet. They did not keep, just keep scrolling. They expressed themselves. So pretty much all hell broke loose on Twitter because of this tweet. And I have a couple of samples of responses that I witnessed with my own eyes, right? So I only want to talk about things that I actually saw in real time, because as I said, I'm very online. So I watched all of these things unfold in real time. Uh, I don't know what that says about how I spend my time, but whatever. Here we go. The sad ways that I spend my time is your gain, because I'm here to tell you about them if you miss them.
3: Well, you know, when you were saying like a lot of people said nothing, and I was thinking, just sitting here thinking like, what does it mean that so many people reacted to that tweet that you read about this woman sitting in the garden with her husband? You know, and like, okay, maybe it's a little twee, but like, it's pretty innocuous. She's not really like... She's certainly not harming anyone. She's not making any controversial claims. Like, and so the fact that so many people would have that reaction and actively write a response to it, I was like, wow, how sad for them. Uh, But then here you are paying attention and thinking about what those other people are writing. And so, like, you you're pretty far in it.
0: Oh, I'm in it. No one is saying that. Listen, I just before we even get into the vignettes. I am very much contextualized within this very online culture. I am, the call is coming from inside the house. I am critiquing it from within. I am not, I don't want anyone to think that I see myself as, you know, kind of above it, moral high ground. I'm in it. (laughs) I'm in in the, I'm down in the muck. I'm with all of you. (laughs) Okay, so here are some of the reactions that I saw to that tweet. The first bucket was people basically being like, oh my God, you must be rich. You know, people saying that she must be independently wealthy or very rich and very privileged if she's able to enjoy coffee, have a garden and spend her, her and her partner are both able to spend their mornings not working. Uh, I saw a tweet where someone was like, don't y'all work? Don't y'all have jobs? And she said, oh, I have a small business. And so I'm able to, make my own schedule. Then I saw another reply to that where they said, oh, okay, so you're able to have your peaceful mornings because you're exploiting the labor of your employees and that gives you the ability to enjoy your mornings. Terrible. And she replied, I'm the sole employee of my business. Uh, So just a lot of assumptions about her economic status and her privilege, all via her having a garden, her drinking coffee, her spending the mornings talking to her husband.
3: Yeah, all assumptions coming from the worst possible place of, like, giving her no benefit of any doubt. Just, like, people actively wanting the most, like, meanest and worst possible way it could be true to be the case.
0: Yes, that she's definitely exploiting her employees in order to have, like, she must be doing something bad if she's able to be enjoying this, like, these, like, nice mornings consistently. So another kind of bucket of responses that I saw were contrasting how she described her own mornings and what they look like with their mornings. And so people whose mornings didn't sound great, you know, plagued by things like Insomnia, anxiety, loneliness, chronic pain, or fatigue. Um, and yeah, when you compare waking up in the morning, feeling lonely and in pain and really exhausted and drained, that does not sound as nice as waking up in the morning and having coffee in a garden. Sure. Uh, but again, interesting how when someone puts their, you know, pretty innocuous happy thing out into the world, People's responses can sometimes be like, well, good for you. I'm not having a happy morning. My mornings aren't that happy. I don't have a garden. I don't have a partner. Um, so, yeah, like a, like a very personalized response to her kind of innocuous happy tweet.
3: Which I guess is like fair, right? Like she tweeted it publicly. People can tweet back if they if they want. But yeah, it's like you're like, oh, you're happy how I'm not you shouldn't be either. The thing that you feel good about, you should feel bad.
0: Yeah, I saw one response that was so specific that they replied to her tweet about the garden and the coffee and having coffee in the garden in the morning. Where I live, the winter snow is already starting and my patio is uncovered. And so I was like, ooh, wow, like, <laughs> tough break.
3: Can't afford a covered patio like one of those capitalist fat cats. Right. Out here with the common people with the uncovered patio.
0: right. So another bucket of response that I saw were people saying that it's completely unrealistic to enjoy talking to one's spouse for hours because most people hate their spouses and don't want to spend any time talking to them. And other people saying that like that sounded really braggy and insensitive because so many people are lonely and single. And then just the claim that like people, I guess people went back to her, you know, wedding pictures and stuff and glean that she had only been married for a couple of months and it's like well yeah two two three months in sure you still think your husband is brilliant and you enjoy talking to him try 10 years and maybe you'll think he's an idiot and you can't even stand the sound of his fucking breathing <laughs> you'll want to hit him with that coffee cup you know
3: like yeah that's probably gonna happen <laughs> but let her enjoy the moment
0: <laughs> yeah i mean also it's like She's a newlywed, like she's allowed to to still be in the phase where she enjoys the company of her husband, and then and like talking to him is a fun time. Um, one thing that I should note is that in my depths of all of this, I did see accusations that the original Garden Lady poster who definitely gives off like spiritual Earth Mama vibes, that she posts anti-vax content and trad wife content, which if you don't know what that is, we did an episode with Joe Piazza all about it, so definitely check it out. Um, I have to say, I cannot confirm or deny any of that from just the cursory look that I took at her social media, but I almost wonder if it was a pylon first, and then people find the tweets that, quote, justify why they did the pylon, if that makes sense. like I almost wonder if it's like, well... Are you saying that it's okay to pile up, to pile on someone for like tweeting something innocuous because six months ago they also had some bad takes on vaccines or whatever? Or is it like or like 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 are you are you using this to justify some behavior that maybe now you're like, oh I looking at that, I kinda wish I hadn't tweeted that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I looked at it after you sent it to me ahead of this episode and uh I saw a lot of people criticizing the garden tweet. I didn't see anything about, you know correcting misinformation or putting out like accurate vaccine information because like how is that even relevant to this lady tweeting about drinking (laughs) coffee in her garden
0: it's not it's (laughs) not this is not going to make me sound great and i'm fully aware of that but i just know the vibe of really going all in on criticizing something or someone and then needing to justify that to be like, well, I'm not the asshole here. She actually said this back in 1999. And that's why it's okay that here in 2022, I've done this to her. You know what I mean? So I just, I really viscerally get that experience because I've, I've been there.
3: Yeah, we've all been there. We can identify with it. Yeah, the idea of finding, finding some post hoc justification. Uh, we humans do that all the time.
0: So probably my favorite response to all of this, the tweet and the discourse came from Asia Barber, who if you don't know who that is, they are a brilliant writer on fashion and sustainability and influencing an online culture. Definitely give them a follow because they're brilliant. And also buy their book, Consumed, because it's also really good. Uh, but they make this really interesting point that people's reaction to Coffee Garden Lady is actually an understandable reaction to an online culture built on comparison. Asia writes, quote, I genuinely think social media has gotten us to this miserable place where folks are tired of being happy for other people. It's the impact of comparison culture while everyone pretends it doesn't exist. Basically, they go on to argue that we're all trained to be happy for people when good things happen to them, but especially if things in your life are not where you want them to be, it can be really draining to have to have that expectation of performing happiness for others. And since the opposite of happy is, you know, bitter or jealous or rageful or spiteful, that's kind of becomes the default other response. And so they argue that we should all be more comfortable with just having a neutral reaction in those situations, that we shouldn't feel forced or have the expectation of cheering people on all the time if, frankly, we just don't have it in us. But that doesn't mean that we have to then project all of our hangups and our challenges and perceived failings and anxieties onto strangers via the internet. As Aja writes, quote, instead of being a society where we've normalized feeling neutral about other people being happy, this app instead tells you that you have to have an emotion. And if it isn't good, it must be bad. So quick, make shit up because you genuinely just don't want to feel happy for this person. And I think that Asia is really onto something that we are, I think there's something about social media that trains us that if we see something, we have to have a, vi- a like a real reaction to it. We have to either like it and smash like or hate it and like leave a mean reply or whatever, download it, whatever. Like we have kind of lost that you can just see something And feel neutral about it. And I can understand why that is making us kind of emotionally drained and exhausted where, you know, we just don't have a lot of other emotions to give other than anger and, uh, spite and bitterness because of that, because of that constant expectation that we always be reacting. But it's okay to not have a take to be like, okay, this woman's having her coffee. I'm going to keep scrolling next thing, you know? And I have to say, even though I live in the middle of the city in D.C., I do actually have a garden in my apartment, and I have been known to spend a morning out there with a cup of coffee from time to time. And seeing this visceral reaction that everybody had to this coffee garden lady, I'm almost afraid to ever tweet a picture of my garden, because I don't want the internet coming after me. Yeah, and she
3: did eventually tweet a picture of her garden, and it's it's very nice. She's done a... You know, her and her husband did a great job of transforming their suburban lawn of their modest home into uh, a little garden. But it certainly doesn't read like, you know, she's some super rich, out-of-touch person. She just, just looks like a normal house where normal people live.
2: Yeah,
0: it's not like she said, oh, every morning I fly to Paris so I can have authentic Parisian espresso or whatever. And I think that we're so... Drained and so exhausted and so tense and tired as Americans, that the littlest stuff, somebody expressing the smallest bit of—I don't—I'm not even sure I would call this luxury—the smallest bit of something that's not toiling, the smallest bit of something that's not the misery that I think so many of us are rightfully feeling—it's like it, it hits a nerve. It's a real trigger point for us. I, I get it. I don't. I'm not happy that I get it and identify with it, but I do understand it.
3: Yeah. And like you were saying, it's, it's two things. It's the having that emotional reaction of like anger or jealousy or resentment uh, or whatever it is. Um, And then also saying something about it, you know, like not just like feeling annoyed and scrolling past, you know, I, like I said before, I look at Twitter, you know, probably a couple hours a day if you add it all together and
0: I see shit that I find annoying all the time, but don't need to weigh in on it. Oh my God. And it's, I spend, I mean, even just like literally before you and I got on the mic, before we were recording, I was like, have you heard about this tech bro who took an Uber from Manhattan to Philly? And he says that the, the three different state governments charged him all these fees. And I was so, I was so meticulously, he, he included a screenshot of the different tolls and fees that he was charged. And I was so meticulously, Going through this, I was like, "This isn't adding up. Something's not right here." I lived in New York. This isn't. What, what is this route? And I do think there's something about the internet that invites too much scrutiny and too much emotional investment into the ongoings of strangers and people. And, and part, it's partially due to to the way that algorithms work. Like the reason why I saw the Colin Tunnel tweet was because Twitter it was a trend, right? And so. You know, someone can. E- it's it's so easy to gamify that, gamify people's willingness to be um, become emotionally invested in the business of strangers. It's so easy to gamify that against us.
3: Yeah, there's the algorithm that really incentivizes negative content, right? Because it's just, it's just an empirical fact that algorithms reward negative content with more likes, more visibility. But maybe just blaming it all on the algorithm is kind of letting us as a population off. A little easy right like why are we showing up that way
0: exactly and that's i mean that's exactly what i'm hoping to get at in this episode yes it's the algorithms yes it's the way that tech leaders have designed these platforms to continue to keep us on edge angry and divided for their material benefit but what's going on with us are we are we good are we are we all good so let's take a quick break and then i want to get into our second vignette Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here, and that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Y'all know I love the internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color, and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online and make sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindelete.me.com/no-girls and use promo code No Girls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindelete.me.com/no-girls and enter code No Girls at checkout. That's joindelete.me.com/no-girls code No Girls. And we are back. Uh, So we were just talking about the viral garden lady tweet. And after I saw the garden lady tweet, I realized that this kind of highly personal aggrieved response to the innocuous happiness of others was everywhere on social media. Like this garden lady tweet, once I saw that, I was seeing this kind of response everywhere. Which brings me to our next vignette, which I'm calling... Professor gifts students with books. So in this situation, a college professor who has this like very inspiring backstory. He's the son of two incarcerated parents, first in his family to go to college, and now he's a professor. Uh, He tweeted a picture of his campus office, which I have to say is just gorgeous. It's like one of those offices from a movie, you know, with the built in bookshelves where all the walls are shelves and it's, just gorgeous. It's like very meticulously decorated. And it's one of those offices that anybody would die for. It's gorgeous. And he tweeted, quote, my rule, any student who comes to my office hours can keep any book on my shelf that they like. All they need to do is ask. I had a professor who used to do this back in college, and I've always remembered how special it made the teacher-student relationship. Let's continue this tradition. Uh, That's nice, right? That's
3: very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I went to grad school, spent way more time there than I should have, and uh, what he's describing sounds like the ideal professor scenario. Like It sounds nice, it sounds friendly, it sounds supportive, it sounds generous, it sounds
0: like a nice thing. I also went to grad school. uh, I don't think I ever once went to office hours ever, which is probably not surprising that I ended up dropping out. Had my professor's acted like this and, and been like this and, you know, cultivated the kind of environment where they were giving out these books as a token of our rela- our, our academic relationship, I might have stuck around grad school, but alas. Um, I remember seeing this tweet and thinking how nice it was. And, you know, I got, I got warm fuzzies. And for a while, all of the responses were other academics basically being like, this is really nice. This is really the, the the ideal situation that you want between, you know, students and teachers where they feel this kind of connection and that connection is crystallized and symbolized in this way. Everyone was loving it. But then another professor responded. Let's call him Professor Petty. Professor Petty responded, accusing Book Professor of telling everyone what a great guy he was via what he called quote lifestyle porn. Professor Petty wrote a whole bunch of tweets. It was a whole back and forth, which I witnessed the entire thing go down. Uh, Professor Petty, these are he's a, a couple of, his, of Professor Petty's responses. He says, you've got a lovely office, dude, and you're rich enough to be able to give away the props that you decorate your office with. That's not political. That's gauche. I'm a cis white man who's working in an academic environment without a giant office bigger than my living room nor with enough money or budget to give away the things that I need to do my job to any student who asks. Check yourself. He goes on to say, just seems to me like highly curated, performative, humble brags made superciliously from positions of extreme, unexamined privilege. Don't form the basis of inherently radical politics. You may disagree, I guess. How can I do more than one thing at once if I've given the books I need for my job away? You seem to treat books as props and window dressing rather than tools of the trade. Super weird. I donate things that I don't need or have dupes of, but giving away books on request? Odd. (laughs) So Professor Petty... Damn. Yeah, Professor Petty did not like this, and he really wanted, like, this was... I read them as one paragraph, but this was like a bunch of tweets. He was, like, back and forth, really digging in.
3: Supercilious, even. (laughs)
0: I also love, like, what a, like, academic-y sounding drag this is, I guess I'll say. Yeah, it's it's so
3: petty. I don't know. I So I, I don't know how many people you follow in, like, academic Twitter, but definitely professors, like, tweeting about what it means to be a good professor and providing good mentorship and, like, different ways to be a good mentor. That's, like, a common thing that people post about, right? So book professor... Is, I think, totally within those normal boundaries of talking about it. And, you know, sounds like things are working out pretty well for Book Professor, and that's great. You know, lots of people have nice things happen to them. It doesn't mean that they're bad.
0: Yes. And I should also reveal one of the reasons why the optics of this just weren't great was that Book Professor is black and Professor Petty is white. And so the optics of a white professor scolding a black professor and calling him privileged and saying, you know, you're you've got all this unexamined privilege and I don't have a big office and you do and that's bad. It's just not a great look.
3: It's really not and also being a professor who like can't do his job without his books, it sounds pretty grim for Professor Petty.
0: Yes. And you know, I also think that the way that Professor Petty framed those tweets and his responses really strip away a lot of the context of Professor Books. You know, his background as an academic who faced all of these challenges to get where he is, kind of returning the favor of this kind gesture that a professor did to him when he was coming up Professor Petty really just flattens that situation and takes all the nuance out of it and turns it into someone humble bragging on the Internet. But that's not really the spirit of what Professor Books said in the first place.
3: Yeah, it really isn't. And, you know, I don't know where Professor Petty works, but it's probably not like a 14th century monastery (laughs) where there's like three books that a team of monks has been working on over generations, you know, like. There's a lot of books. Most professors I know who have offices in universities have more books than they know what to do with, right? And so giving away books to students, it's pretty common, I think.
0: Yeah, it is completely common. And so as they do, Black Academia Twitter really came together to gather uh, Professor Petty and support Professor Books. And eventually, Professor Petty deleted his tweets and apologized, saying that he was taking his frustrations with academia out on the wrong person. Which, yeah, obviously, (laughs) I think I could tell I mean, this person, yeah, you didn't do anything wrong. You're taking all your anger out on him. And partially, I get it, right? If you're an academic sitting in your tiny office watching everybody give... Props and accolades to another academic in their big, gleaming, beautiful office. Of course, I think it's a little bit understandable for that to feel sort of personal. You know, and I am super, I, again, I don't love that I sort of partially get it because I am super familiar with that feeling of why not me? Why do I have to cheer on others who have the things that I want but don't have access to? Part of me gets that because. Yeah, I'm a petty bitch. I've, I've, I've definitely felt that, thought that before. Who hasn't? But I also think that it seems like it's very easy to get riled up by something that a stranger posts as a proxy for your feelings about a, a, a systemic or institutional frustration, right? Because Sometimes the villain is some something like big and lofty. You know, the college that you teach at is underfunding your department or not investing in infrastructure so your office is horrible and tiny. Uh, but those things do not have, you know, visible Twitter accounts that you can yell at and like yell your grievances toward. Other academics tweeting pictures of their big, cool offices, they do. They're much more visible and easier to take your frustrations out on.
3: Yeah, I can understand. There's plenty of things in academia to be frustrated and angry about. Um, But like you said, don't take him out on a professor who is just trying to do something nice for students. You know, maybe it is a little eye rolly, you know, if that's how you feel fine. But uh, I guess after all this, I kind of feel sorry for Professor Petty that he's in such a bad dire emotional place that like just like bubbled over and he felt that he had to express his frustration on on professor books
0: well this is exactly what i'm saying i think that we're all i think that we're in a state of constant emotionality and 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 kind of like, I think that for a lot of us, shit's feeling bleak right now. And so we're on this hair, we're showing up to online spaces on this hair trigger that I don't know that I've really felt the same way before. And I guess that's exactly what, what, my, what my claim is.
3: Yeah. Professor Petty probably would have had a much nicer night if he just like went out and talked with his friends, you know?
0: Yeah. Or when scrolling Twitter, saw that picture had the whatever reaction he had clocked it asked himself a couple of leading questions like oh this is really you're really annoyed about this why that would lead him to the the result of like oh i'm frustrated with my own situation in academia i have frustrations about what's happening on my own campus and that's i think that would be so much more productive and and maybe he it sounds, it sounds like he got there eventually but i think he could have had a much nicer time if he got there without being dragged by all of Black academic Twitter with like with, withering fucking takedowns, you know? Black Twitter users are like a, like a sharp-tongued bunch too. So I'm sure some of those had to hurt.
3: Yeah, that probably sucked. <laughs> if he felt bad before, he probably feels worse now.
0: Exactly. And so this actually reminded me of, you know, I said earlier that it's been a while since I feel like I've seen people showing up on this like hair trigger with misery and anxiety. And it actually reminded me of the way that I felt in the early days of the pandemic. You know, I, and like, that was a hard time for all of us and easy for me to be in my, you know, apartment garden feeling whatever I was feeling. But, you know, I remember I would get super upset and super angry about all of these pictures of maskless, patrons at crowded bars and restaurants. And this was during the part of the pandemic where I was like pretty deeply distancing. And so I was really feeling the emotional and physical and uh, mental strain of all that distancing. It was not a, a great time. And I would get almost like deeply, irrationally rageful at these images and I would have to do the work of reminding myself like okay Bridget are you really mad that this like 19 year old college student in wherever went to this crowded bar or are you mad that like institutions and people and po- people with power and political leaders should have made better options to support people right maybe our political leaders should have taken bolder action to keep those bars closed and like meaningfully paid and supported people to stay home and, you know, made better decisions to keep people safe. Like there's, there was no picture of that on social media. What I did have was pictures of like 19 year old college students partying. Let's be real. When I was 19, I probably would have been partying during a pandemic too, because I wasn't very smart, but I had to really work to remind myself that just because the people I am seeing partying every single time I open my social media apps are so visible. The actual thing that I am angry about is not them partying. It's that our leaders have failed us so bad that it turned it into like a personal choice and that those places were available to be overcrowded and all of that. Like, But it is work. And I think that so often we are using people who are visible as a proxy for our anger, which is oftentimes rightful, about something that is institutional and not so visible, which brings me to my last vignette, which we'll get into after a real quick break. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health Head to iHeartRadio.com slash RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails.
1: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day.
2: We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be.
0: Let's get right back into it. So we were talking about how sometimes our anger on social media, we're using visible people as proxies for our anger that maybe it would be better directed toward institutions, which brings me to my last vignette, which I'm calling Woman Complains About Male Shoppers for Grocery Delivery App. Let me set the stage for you. So are you familiar with the joke women be shopping? Women be shopping.
3: Is there more to the joke? <laughs> no,
0: that's the whole thing.
3: Okay, I'm familiar with it then.
0: Okay, well, this is basically that in reverse, which is Men don't be shopping. Uh, Mm. So it's this like pretty well worn online discourse that pops up online fairly regularly. And it's the idea that men are bad grocery shoppers. They pick bad fruit. You know, you can't trust them to pick a good avocado. They'll get the worst one. They don't know where stuff is. If you don't give them a meticulous list, they'll come back with the wrong thing. Women need to essentially FaceTime men and like walk them virtually through a grocery store for them to get to be able to do anything right to the point where it's almost better to just do it. If you're sending a man to shop for you, it's almost better to just do it yourself because he's gonna do a terrible job. Uh, And so this discourse definitely plays into a lot of like hot button topics around gender and things like that, right? It it, It deals with domestic labor like grocery shopping being kind of assigned as female labor You know, the idea of men uh, weaponizing their incompetence, which basically means like being so bad at grocery shopping that they won't even do it. And so like the woman will just do it herself. Even if they are ostensibly being paid to, the person who tweeted the tweet I'm about to read didn't say what grocery delivery app that she was using, you know, whether it was GoPuff or Instacart, but uh, it really dips into our expectations around how we treat gig workers who are mostly being like, paid suboptimal wages, and likely being misclassified as an independent contractor to do the labor of someone else, and just the general ethics around gig work in general, which I know is a hot-button issue. All of this is to say that you already know this is going to be a topic where everyone has an opinion, just a flashpoint of a bunch of different things. So last week, a woman tweeted, quote, My last time using grocery delivery and I got a man. He started refunding stuff that I knew dang well the store had. I was so pissed. I got in the car and went to the store he was at. Bro was literally standing in one aisle on the phone. The tweet got over 70,000 likes, almost 4,000 retweets, and too many responses to count.
3: So he was just standing there on his phone?
0: Yeah, I think he was just, I think that she's trying to say he was just standing there on his phone saying Things that she knew that they had in stock were out of stock, and like being like, oh, refund, oh, refund. If you've ever, if you you have not used Instacart, if they go to the store and they don't have a thing that you want, they just refund it. And so she's saying that he was just like refunded, 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 and not actually shopping, just like refunding everything.
3: Well, of the three vignettes, I'm pretty sympathetic to to, what are we calling her? Unhappy
0: grocery lady.
3: Unhappy grocery lady. I, I mean, that does sound kind of annoying.
0: I, I'm with you there. And, okay, so these are the buckets of responses that I saw. So some people thought, you know, everyone... Some people kind of are like you, right? That, like, everyone has a right to expect that if they're paying for a service, that service should be done correctly. Like, if you paid to get a haircut and the barber messed up your hair, most people will be like, oh, well, it's reasonable to complain about that because you should get what you pay for. Um, Other people thought that the woman who initially made the tweet... Was coming off as like lazy and entitled, right? Like, if you're gonna complain about the person shopping for you, you should get the groceries yourself. And one of those responses came from Jorts the Cat. You may remember oh. Jorts the Cat. Are you familiar with Jorts the Cat? Yeah,
3: I'm familiar with Jorts. We're buds.
0: So you may remember Jorts the cat. He rose to Twitter fame after a viral Ask Reddit post about two cats, uh one named Jeans and the other named Jorts, who lived in an office together. Um and Jorts has turned into something of a I guess a leftist celebrity cat on Twitter. Uh Jorts or whoever is running this Twitter page on Jorts's behalf replied to his over 200,000 followers, "Idea, go get your own groceries." And this response did not go over well. Um, some disability advocates pointed out that, especially during a pandemic, that not everyone actually can go get their own groceries. And so Jorts was accused of perpetuating ableism for this response. And so the entire discourse kind of got a little complicated after that. And some of the accusations that I saw were like, it sounds like this discourse has reached a weird conclusion where some folks are, you know, Defending an able-bodied woman in confronting a gig worker at a grocery store, you know, by using the fact that people with disabilities need to sometimes have to rely on services like Instacart to do so. So the, the converse, the discourse just got very complicated and very big and very involved. And I think it's a good example of exactly what I was talking about before, how anything except the visible individuals are kind of just removed from the conversation, right? And so most people are either blaming the, quote, entitled grocery lady or the, quote, lazy bad male shopper because that's so much easier and more visible than grappling with any kind of like bigger picture. So looking at the politics of apps like Instacart or GoPuff, for instance, or the people who design the app. And I also think when gig apps like Instacart has oftentimes, have exploitation built into them as a feature. Of course, nobody is having a good time. The person who is being underpaid to shop is probably not having a great time. The person who is, feels that like they are getting suboptimal service because that person is underpaid uh, for that labor is also not having a great time. And so, I think it's one of those situations where the real villain is the app, or the more, more specifically, the tech leaders who. Build the app and get rich off of it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And people have complained about poor working conditions at Instacart for a long time. And they there's a unionization effort, I think, like, uh, what was that, like a year ago mm-hmm. now that they, you know, fought and, and suppressed. And yeah, maybe if they paid their workers decently, called them workers, treated them as workers and, uh, you know, worked with them they would be able to provide the level of service that grocery lady is looking for, but they choose not to do that. You know, it's like, it's hard to really fault, uh, you know, some, some gig worker for not taking the gig work seriously because it's gig work and you know, it's probably not how I would have done it, but I don't know what's going on with this guy.
0: And I also think this idea, you know, when people talked about, People with disabilities and the fact that they often do have to rely on services like Instacart to get their groceries. I think again, that's a situation where the failing is institutional because people with disabilities should have accessible, reliable, affordable services to help them live their lives and to get them the things that they need in their lives with you. Know. And instead, they're given this a private app like Instacart that really functions more like a pricey luxury service. And so it's not super accessible. It has all this exploitation built into it. Um, never mind the fact that I'm sure there's lots of disabled folks who work who are forced to do gig work and are being underpaid. And so again, I think these are our issues are really institutional but so often it's easier to blame the visible parties. You know, it's not the tech leaders who get rich off of apps like Instacart or the institutional failings. These people and things are not so easy to find and yell at on Twitter. But the person who tweeted about having a bad experience on Instacart, well, she sure is. She's very easy to find. She tweeted about it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And it's there's more of that same post hoc justification like with Garden Lady where after the fact, After people were already piling on, they were searching for reasons to dislike her, you know, like, oh, she's anti-vax, which maybe she is. Maybe she's not. I, I have no idea. But obviously, the the whole reason that everybody was tweeting about her wasn't because of her positions about vaccination. Right. It was just some justification people found after the fact to justify what they already wanted to do. And, you know, suggesting that this seemingly able bodied person just go and get her own groceries it's well, you know it's like a level of snark that one would exist on the internet but uh but it does feel like people were piling on and like f- looking for reasons to support one side or the other because of problems caused by those larger systemic forces and Instacart itself or I guess I we don't know if it was Instacart but whatever the app was like you said they're not visible uh Grocery lady is visible. Jorts is visible. Uh, fortunately, the gig worker wasn't visible.
0: I know. I, I. What if he tweeted his side of the story? Like, <laughs> lady, I'm getting he, paid nothing to do this, okay? <laughs> he's probably
3: out there, has no idea any of this is happening.
0: He's probably, uh, knowing how men grocery shop, probably out there stuck in the aisle trying to pick a good avocado.
3: He was just trying to call somebody to come help him find his way out. <laughs> Meanwhile, there are... Celebrity cats tweeting about him.
0: <laughs> we we live in such a weird, weird timeline. Like, like this and, is such a weird timeline. And that cat probably makes
3: way more than he does.
0: Oh, for sure. No question in my mind. That was that's George's is an office cat. Like George is making money.
3: <laughs> He's giving books to little kittens.
0: <laughs> I know. I want the controversies to fold back in on themselves where someone is angry that George has a nice office and is gifting books to kittens. Yeah, <laughs> And he's doing it up. in a garden.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the worst part, that he's doing it in a garden.
0: So all of this is to say that, you know, I, I saw lots of people in response to all of these vignettes being like, wow, people are so miserable. You know, I would never share my happy moment with the, with the internet because people are so miserable. They're just going to crap all over it. And I kind of agree, not in the, you know, kind of, snarky, like, oh, you're so miserable, log off, touch grass kind of way. I mean it in the real way. I think that we as Americans are just really miserable right now. We're living through a pandemic, economic instability, climate instability, worsening division, political anxiety, and our institutions who are ostensibly here to provide us support really showed us that we're kind of just on our own. And I think everyone is exhausted. We're working more and more and more. The cost of everything is going up. And so this is not sustainable. People have less leisure time, less time to rest or even just process things. And so I feel like as a result, we're all just showing up tense and anxious and on edge. And when we are showing up online, we're bringing all of that tension with us. And of course, this is all exploited by social media platforms that we already know specifically feed us content that enrages us and encourages us to pile on strangers and turn them into proxies for our pain. And I guess I just want better for us. I want better for all of us.
3: Yeah, we deserve it. I mean it it is kind of a great American tradition to like find proxies and blame them for our problems. But it seems to really be showing up in a different way now that now that we've got social media.
0: Yeah, I mean and, and to be clear, people have been miserable since forever. There's going to be miserable people out there until the end until the end of time and they've always been there. But I think social media obviously is inflaming something in us. And I think as we grapple with, you know, what it means to be a person in 2022, which is not always so fun, I think it can put us in a situation where it's really locking us into a cycle of misery, where we're angry, intense. Algorithms are showing us things that are are making us even more angry, intense. And the cycle continues. And I just want better.
3: And we all realize it. Like, it's kind of surprising when you say it like that, that like, we all know it makes us angry and tense and anxious uh, and, you know, reduces our ability to pay attention to things. It doesn't really seem sustainable, right? Like, wouldn't you think like a rational people would figure out something else? I I don't know what that is like. Obviously, I like the internet. I, you know, I work on this show. I've been, But like, I don't know. It feels like this isn't it.
0: This ain't it. <laughs> this ain't it. I can tell you. I can tell you this is not it. And honestly, this is a lot of like wild speculation and anecdotal evidence on my part. This is not a typical show that we do. You can probably tell. But I also just really want to know what you all think if you're listening. You know, have you been feeling this palpable anxiety and misery online or off you know i've seen people say that you shouldn't share any of your happy stuff with the internet because they're just gonna crap all over it and tear it apart do you agree do you do you keep your happy stuff offline because you don't want someone to turn you into the next garden lady or the next book professor i'm really curious let us know how you feel how you've been dealing with all of this um if if i'm way off base i want to hear that too you can hit us up at hello at tangody.com. I cannot wait to hear from you. And Michael, thank you so much for being here. I know when something is going on on the internet and I want to have a kind of offline perspective, I can always count on you.
3: Yeah, it's generally pretty, a pretty offline perspective. Well, thanks for having me. I love talking with you. And it's an interesting topic. I'm glad you brought it up and wanted to talk about it. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing what listeners have to say.
0: Me too. Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangody.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangody.com. There Are No Girls on the Internet was created by me, Bridget Todd. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self care as an act of self preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of one hundred thousand Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com/rtp. For a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health, that's iHeartRadio.com slash RTP. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to
2: Trails. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth
3: results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair
0: Bomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results. Made just for women.